Yes, um, I've started. So, I've started. All right. So, um, <coughs> okay. So, um, last week we started um, a series on conversations about this. So, God help me ignore the sound. Ah, it's distracting. <laughs> so, um. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay, so um, can put it up. So conversations, put it up. Yeah. Conversations about the soul. <laughs> so we started with um, discussing the origin of man, how man came into being, and I'll just do a brief recap. Right, once it's five, let's call my attention. Right. Um, I just do a brief recap. So we talked about how that man is spirit, soul, and body, and that um, those fundamental parts of man have their unique, they are, they are, they are different in terms of their distinctions. They are different. The spirit is not the soul. The soul is not the body. The body is not the soul. So we made that. Um, differentiation we differentiated the spirit soul and body and one of the reasons why i i had to do that differentiation and i had to um, help us understand the functions of the soul spirit and body is so that even in our own personal lives we can be able to differentiate things that come from the spirit things that come from the soul and things that come from the body for example emotions originate from the soul right but that thing we call intuition that knowing originates from the spirit, right? So the, the difference, and I said that in terms of function, the intuition, the mind, the eyes and the ear have similar functions in the sense that they are sources of knowledge, right? And, but the difference between the intuition and the mind is that for the mind, you have to think, right? You have to think about, you know, uh, whatever thought or idea it is, but the intuition, you just know it. It just comes. The knowing just comes, right? And sometimes the thing you know with your intuition, sometimes you need your mind to explain, to understand it, right? So, but let's not get into all that. So, I also said that um, the two basic raw materials that was used in the creation of man was spirit and body, right? Spirit and dust. So, when the spirit came in contact with the dust, with the body of man, Right, a third entity was formed, and that is the soul. Now, that soul is the person. So, when you say I or me, you are referring to your soul, right? So, you are spirit, soul, and body. But what makes you different, your, your unique signature on this earth, is your soul. That means that you have different personalities from every other person on the surface of the earth. Right? Because everybody's soul is their unique signature. Right? In fact, when I was reading the book of Genesis, I think that was yesterday, you know, God called something to my attention. You know, when God created Eve, um, Adam looked at Eve and said, This is now the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. Adam did not say, This is now the spirit of my spirit and the soul of my soul. Now, that, that is another discussion for another day, but 
the, the, the particularly interesting thing about it is that in as much as they were made of the same material bodily they had different souls different personalities do you understand that they had different personalities so that means that both of them can be looking at the same thing but they are experiencing it differently this is clear right so that means that all of us are in this room but the way you are experiencing this noise is not the way i'm experiencing it because of the uniqueness of our personality is pissing me off <laughs> right so it may not be pissing you off you might just be relaxed about it right it's because of our uniqueness right and so we also explained the functions of spiritual and body but our emphasis was on the soul and we showed that we showed that the soul is like the marketplace right so ideas or knowledge that comes from the spirit is deliberated upon in the soul ideas that come from the body outside from the external world from the physical world is deliberated on the soul and the soul was created with the intelligence to do that deliberation right it was created with the intelligence to do that so that means that when you have knowledge in front of you you have the capacity to to look at it with the information on ground you look at it and make your decision right and remember that i said that this is how it works when an idea enters into your mind you think about it right and in thinking about it what you end up with are choices or options based on certain based on the information that is available to you so, so for example you want to buy a phone right so you have iphone you have samsung you have nokia for example right so you have that data in front of you but then when you now do your analysis based on their functionalities their camera power and all those things right so based on your analysis you are left with maybe you might reduce your options to two options so i have is either i choose apple or i choose samsung maybe i i, I knock out knock you out of the mix so i have a decision to make so when it's time to make the decision what does the deliberation is your will right so your will is where the deliberation happens which do i choose based on the information that is at my disposal so when you now finally decide this is the one i'm going to go with what now happens your emotions flow in that direction and then your emotion flowing in that direction means that it activates your body for action do you see that so anytime your body acts on something it is because it has gone through these three stages you've thought about it you've made a decision and your your emotions flow towards it are you getting this this is clear right so and i now explain how that um man was originally designed to be led by god by the spirit of god so and because the spirit of man like i said the human spirit the spirit the breath of life that entered into the man was not the spirit of god it was just human life human spirit the spirit of man and the, that spirit of man because it came from god it came from god right so it means that he was what, what, what did i use again he had affinity for god he responded easily to god because he came from god now it was not the spirit of god but it was the human spirit and because he came from god in that original state that spirit could easily respond to god so that means that when that spirit hears god's voice it, it responds to it 
not just hears it, he just he responds. He responds positively to it. He obeys that command, right? So man was originally designed to function that way, right? So man was supposed to receive information or knowledge from God through his spirit, and his spirit will pass it over to his soul. His soul will go through that process of decision-making and agree with the counsel of God. And because he agrees with it, his body will now act in line with what has been agreed upon. You get that? Man was not originally designed to be led by his environment, to be influenced by the physical world. Are you getting this? In fact, let me corroborate this. Remember that when Jesus came into the earth, any small thing, he's always talking about my father, my father, my father. I hear my father, I see my father. Anything I see my father do, I do. Right? Jesus was simply trying to give us a template of how man was supposed to live. Right? Now, in the book of Genesis, you know, when God created the heavens and the earth and you know, on the fourth day when he was creating the lights, we see something here in verse 17. He said that God, when he created the lights, God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from darkness. Now, this is symbolic. It speaks to the fact that man was supposed to be governed by a higher realm. That is to say that man on earth was not supposed to be led by the things on earth. Man on earth was supposed to be led by the things in heaven. In fact, with that, let me say this. That man was not created to be creative. Man was created to copy whatever he sees God doing. I'm going to explain that today if we have time, right? So, the earth was simply was simply supposed to be a copy of the heavens. And so God put man here so that whatever he saw in heaven, he would replicate it on earth. Remember that everything that we see on the earth, where they were, they existed first in heaven. So if you read the book of Revelation, you will see trees around the throne of God. So the earth was not the first place trees existed. If you look around the throne of God, you see living creatures and all those things. The earth was not the first place animals existed. So everything we see on the earth is a copy of something in heaven. Even the technologies that we see today are just copies of things, are realities that are in heaven. For example, let me, you see this facial recognition uh, technology, right? That you, you can place a device and the device recognizes your face, right? There is, there is a technology like that in the spirit realm. For example, if you have an encounter with Jesus, without him introducing himself, you know he's the one. If you maybe if God takes you to heaven and maybe a lot maybe in heaven you see maybe David or Abraham without them saying I'm Abraham you would know so that ability to recognize identity it's it's a technology in the spirit so most of the things we see as technologies here are things that already existing here so Earth was originally designed to copy to look into heaven and say okay this is how it is let me extend that same technology that same pattern on the earth that was why when God spoke to Moses. He said, see that tabernacle, build it according to the pattern of things that you saw in heaven. Are you getting this? So that is why everything that Jesus did, he did after he saw his father doing it. So man was created to be led by a higher realm. And the devil understood this. Are you getting this? Man was not originally designed to lead himself. 
man was designed to be led to be inspired let me use the word inspired by the spirit of god see because at the end of the day like i said man had free will man had the power of choice and the reason why it was like that is because god decided to create him in his image meaning that god said you know what i don't want to create i've created angels i've created all this but i want a being like me who has the power to even say no to me god made it that way so man had the capability to say no to god and also had the capability to say yes to god god gave him that ability that is what is called free will free choice meaning that god can place an option before man a man will decide to choose the one he wants to choose god gave him that capability and the reason god made it that way is so that man will choose him out of his own will not by force because if man if god didn't give man free will man would have been a robot pre-programmed to execute certain actions however god had plans for the man but god was hoping that the man would choose those plans that he had for him while giving him the op- option to say no to opt out this is clear right and so i explained how that every action you see on the earth right was was ex- was executed or was inspired or was activated by the decisions in the soul of the man so i now ask the question at the end of the day who 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 what part of man carried out the action in the true sense of what i explained is the soul because before the body moves the soul must have moved in that direction right good so today having that understanding we're going to talk about the fall of man and we will now have to see how that man's you know action led to the consequences that we see even till today how is it that how is it that his decision to eat that fruit led to his fall and led to all the chaos we see on the earth today what was it about that decision right so i laid the groundwork to make us understand that every decision comes from what that immaterial side of man the soul and the soul has its intelligence and all that and you can decide to do this or not to do this right so we want to look at the fall of man and the implications of that fall and how it affected the soul of man and how that reality affected the earth and another thing i want to say here is that man was also created to have dominion over the earth so that means that the original way that god created man right god created him in such a way that the earth will respond to him in that image of god so that means that the earth respects creation but inanimate creation respects the image of god in man right and it, it was because of that image that adam could have dominion over the earth and he could name the animals and there was no wildness in the garden and all that he had everything under control because the earth was designed to respond to the man that has the image of god in him that was why when jesus came into the earth you could see even he could walk on water because creation was originally designed to what to respond to the man that had the image of god in him that was the original design are you following this so that means that creation responds to the man that has the image of god so if you invert that means that creation will fight any man or will fight against any man or will stand as an opposition 
against any man who doesn't have that image of God, who, hasn't, who doesn't have that spiritual influence over his life. This is clear, right? Is this clear? This is clear, right? Good. So now, let's look at the fall of man. But before I, I, we get into that, there are certain questions I want to answer. Certain questions. I want, the, the, the questions I want to answer is: I said, when Jesus came into the earth, why did Jesus have to teach? I think I had mentioned this before. Why did Jesus have to teach? I mean, Jesus could have come to the earth and went straight to the cross, or that day he was born, right? He, they could have slaughtered him and used him as sacrifice. Is this getting hot? Okay, if it's getting hot, let me know, right? So why did Jesus have to teach? I mean, why did he have to grow up to 30 years and then started his ministry and the first thing he started doing was teaching about God's kingdom? Why did he have to teach? So that tells us that the miracles were not the, even the most important thing because I said, remember that I said, that sometimes he would do miracles and he would tell them, don't tell anybody. Because that was not the main thing. But he was so bent on teaching God's word, right? So we're going to answer, we're going to see in this study why Jesus had to teach, right? And why does the Spirit of God continue to teach us? And why do we need teaching, right? Teachings concerning the word of God. Why do we need to be taught the word of God, right? We're going to answer that question. And then we're going to answer the question of was autonomy God's original design for man? Was man designed to rule himself? Okay, I've answered this question, right? That man was not designed to have autonomy. Man was not designed to take the prerogative to decide what is good or evil. No. Man was simply designed to be a copy. Man was designed to be a, a suit. Just the same way you have a space suit. Man was designed to be a space suit. Man was supposed to inhabit and influence. That was how man was created. Man was created like a temple that was supposed to be inhabited by something. Are you getting this? Right? And then our, the third question we're going to answer is what kind of knowledge do we pursue? So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So remember, have, have this background in mind about how actions come about. It's clear now how actions come about, right? How do actions come about? It's either it comes from the spirit realm or it comes from the physical the soul is the place of um, deliberation and authentication. The moment you authenticate that decision or that idea, your body moves, your emotions move, and your body moves to act according to what you have agreed upon in your heart. This is clear, Abby. So, and I said that where the real decision or action takes place is where? In the soul. And, and I pointed out that thing that Jesus said, it now makes sense. When Jesus said, that when you lost after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. It now makes sense in that light. It's not that Jesus was trying to say that ah, that Christianity is, is tough or harsh. He was simply trying to point out the fact that where the actual decision or action takes place is what? In the soul. So that means that to think is to act in the heart, in the soul. So <laughs> thought is action in the unseen realm. So that means before you do something, you must have thought about it. And in the sight of God, that thinking is the acting. Is this clear? 
and it's just a matter of time before your body follows suit. This one is clear, Abby. Yes. Good. So now let's look at the fall of man. So bear this process in mind, how that man, before an action takes place, we know that it has already taken place here, right? So this is Genesis chapter 3. It's a story about you know, the fall of man. And I'd like us to pay attention very closely because we're going to see in this in this discourse why Jesus had to teach. Right? Why he had to teach. So now, now the serpent was the shrewdest. Okay, before we read this, let's read Genesis chapter 2 when God gave man that instruction, right? Genesis chapter 2 from verse 15. Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to care for it. This place is filled with so much truth, but I will stick to what we have for today. But the Lord God gave him what? This warning. Let me look for the translation in King James Version. Verse 25. Verse 15, sorry. And the Lord God commanded. Hmm? And the Lord God commanded the man. Another way to say it, and the Lord God instructed the man. Another way to say it, and the Lord God taught the man. Follow me. And the Lord God commanded the man. See, follow this thing very carefully. God said to him, you may freely eat any fruit in the garden. So first of all, what do we see here? God gives him provision. Hmm? God gives him provision. Not prohibition. What did God give him first? Provision. Not prohibition. So God gives him provision. God gives him freedom. And now said, Accept fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit. Now, this was not a curse. God was simply telling him the consequence of that action. He said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Now, some other translations put it this way. In dying, you will die. That's the original translation. In dying, you will die, right? So we see here that God gave him an instruction. God gave him knowledge and said, see, I have made provisions for you, but I just have one prohibition right i just have one thing take everything you want but just leave this particular one right and remember i said in our previous conversation about genesis genesis is both literal and symbolic right some of the elements used here we are used to tell a story right so but we're not getting to whether it was the, the there was a physical tree or not but we'll just stick to the story and get into the lesson of the story so god gave him this instruction and said see you are free to do this but don't do this, right? Now, in, in, in chapter 3, the Bible says that now the serpent was the shrewdest of all creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat any of the fruits in the garden? Now, look at, look at this. I want to dwell on this a little while. Now, we see, we see the disparity in the, in the two questions. Now, first of all, let me state here that the serpent didn't ask her that question because he wanted knowledge. Hmm? He already knew what the truth was. 
Are you getting this? But he came as though the tone of the conversation came, came as though he was surprised. Like, did God really say this? That you should not eat of any fruit? Right? Now, it was established that God has said you can eat of any fruit. So now, you see how witchcraft works. The first thing is to distort the truth. Now, but in distorting the truth, you use an element in the truth to distort it. So it's like taking a, st- a statement and rearranging the sequence. Right? God said you are free to eat any. And he said, did God really say you are not to eat any? So you see how he rearranged the sequence of that statement. So sometimes the truth, eh? sometimes a truth not truth, truth, a truth not truthfully stated is a lie. So we see here that you know he comes, you know, with that innocence, with that prudence, and you know he comes with a question. He comes with a conversation, and he asks a question. And now he didn't ask that question because he wanted an answer. No. He didn't want an answer. But, anyways, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to point out some other things here, but let me go ahead. And then, of course we may eat it. The woman told him, it's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. Now, this is where the problem is. Remember I said last week that the moment you entertain a new kind of knowledge, what happens to your soul? The moment your mind is exposed to a new kind of knowledge, what happens to your soul? There is an imprint that that takes the shape of that knowledge and the, the example I give is this. If you intend to buy a Toyota Camry, you've made a decision. <laughs> the shape of that, for the lack of a better word, the shape of that Toyota Camry is imprinted in your heart. You start seeing Toyota Camrys everywhere. That was what I said last week, right? So the moment your mind is exposed to a certain kind of knowledge, your eyes open. And before then, it will look as if your eyes... The moment your eye opens, it will not look as if, if you, if you look back in retrospect, it will not look as if your eyes were closed to that particular thing. Now, that thing existed, but because you are not conscious of it, you didn't see it. But the moment you became aware of it, you started seeing it. So what I want to point out here is that knowledge, no matter the kind of knowledge, opens your eyes. That's what knowledge does. Knowledge opens your eyes. And that opening of your eyes will either lead to life or lead to death. We understand this more as we proceed. So, like I said last week, the mistake, one of the mistakes that Eve even made was to do what? Was to entertain the conversation. Right? That was the mistake that Eve made to even entertain the conversation. What would have been the most wise thing to do? Is to walk away from the conversation. Because 
you've been asked the question and there's something there's something about questions here right what questions do is questions opens your mind that's what questions do right so questions opens your mind to contemplation and when it opens your mind to contemplation what what do you contemplate you contemplate with the elements in the question for example in this place he said did god really say you may not eat of any fruit in the garden what are the elements here god's instruction right prohibition the fruit in the garden so at that moment she was processing the information with what the the data in the question so whenever you are asked a question what happens is that your mind is activated and remember that i said in the process it starts from your mind the thoughts happens in your mind and then you do the deliberation and once you decide your emotion flows towards it your body follows suit right so the first mistake she made was to even entertain the question i mean she didn't have any power to prevent the serpent from asking the question but the moment he asked the question her mind was activated right okay it's just like this and you see this pattern this pattern is the same pattern the devil uses uses even till today and now the problem most times with our discernment is that we think that we think that if we don't see a creature with two horns or and a tail then it is not the devil but from principle we've learned that spirits function through people as long as this earth is concerned so if someone comes let me say you're happily married now and a guy cute guy that meets your spec ask you are you happy in your relationship now what does that do to you you start thinking about the whole relationship the things that have been happening in the relationship whether you are happy or not and you start remembering the things that have been happening in the relationship that you don't like hmm? and then because the person asks you out of well seeming concern whether the person marks it or not are you really happy in your marriage you start to think about it and then you're not calling to question what is happiness is it because that person asks that question with a different definition or experience of happiness now before the person asks the question you had your own experience of happiness and so the person calls into question the validity of your own experience and then if you entertain the question now without even saying anything your demeanor official expression and the person sees you are contemplating the person now if the person is smart the person now begin to say all the things that he can do you will not surely die come on die so you see the intelligence of this so the, the see a, what a wise woman would do in that situation is to do what to walk away from that conversation now let me divert a little bit when I can, can, cancel some ladies, you know, they come to me and, and they be like, this guy will not let me be. This guy will not let me be. He's always on my case, calling, calling, calling. And then the question I ask is, do you respond to his conversation? They be like, yes, now. I'll, and they'll show me chat. And I say to them, as long as you are responding, the way the person interprets it is that you are open to the conversation. 
So they, they're like, I don't get it. Eh? And I will insult him, insult him, and you will see the insult. And I'm like, see, this is a universal principle. The moment you respond, the door is open. And that was a mistake Eve made here. She responded. Do you see this? Now, let's even say, okay, you are supposed to respond. But now, how did she respond? Now, let us go into Jesus' temptation. You see that in Jesus' response, he was not attempting to teach. Hmm? What was he doing? He was stating the fact. So, but you see here, that Eve started to teach. No, 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 no. This is what God said. And then she sat down and started teaching him. Is it because he came as though he was interested in the knowledge? And then having access to that distorted perception, she started considering other possibilities. <laughs> Are you following this? There's so much to say here, but let me stick to the fall of man, right? So now, what we see here is that God brought a teaching to man, an instruction to man, a kind of knowledge to man, right? And then man, as long as he was there, was operating within the limits of that knowledge that God had provided. And remember that I said that man was designed to be led by a higher spirit, right? So God was responsible for what defining concepts for him. God was responsible for supplying and ideas for him, and he was responsible for executing them on the earth. So whatever he saw in heaven, he implemented on the earth. He was not creative. He was simply what? Copying. Are you getting this? Right? So, but then, this one brought a new kind of teaching. Now, God's teaching, now the implication of God's teaching is this, right? You need to trust me enough to lead and inspire you. You need to trust me enough to be the inspiration behind your actions. You need to trust me enough to be the one that animates your action. You see, because once it comes from the spirit and the soul accepts it, that soul's decision animates the body to act. So that means that it's the spirit that animates that action. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? So that means that whenever you see someone's actions, it is no, it's no brainer to know that that action was inspired by something. Is this clear? It is clear in Jesus' name. <laughs> it is clear, right? So now, he had one source of knowledge, but now another source was opened up. So this is the implication of God's message. Depend on me. Have faith in me. Believe in me. Trust my spirit to inspire your spirit. Trust me to lead you. Are you getting this? But this guy came with another teaching, which is what? You can be as a God. That means that you can, ha- you can have the prerogative to decide what is good or what is evil. You have the power to what? To lead yourself. Self-governance, self-made, selfish. Do you get this? Because your soul has the capacity to decide. And, I mean, you're supposed to be woke and smart. You can't have only one source of knowledge. You should listen to Kim Kardashian on how to run a marriage. 
you know, listen to Kim K, listen to this one, listen to this one, gather all together so you have wisdom. Listen to other sources. Be a God. Decide how to run your life by yourself. You don't need to rely on God. It's so boring to have to take your opinions from God's word. Gods are not boring. Come on, take up the responsibility and decide for yourself. Hmm? Are you following this? So, what is the implication of that teaching? You don't need to rely on God. You don't need to have faith in his word. Hmm? You don't need to believe the teaching of, of God. In fact, if we're going to theological exegesis, the person who gave the instruction was Jesus. It's called Lord God. The Lord God is the pre-incarnate Christ. Hmm? And now, remember that it was the Lord God that gave them the instruction. But when Satan came, he said, did God say? So he was trying to see God is the creator, but the Lord God is the personal, the one that has a personal relationship with man. So he removed that instruction from a loving relationship. You know, it's just like, for example, the person you're in a relationship with or the person you're married to gives you an instruction. Normally, the person tells you that thing out of love to help guide your relationship. Right? So, but I come now in my intelligence and I want to remove, I want to, I want to remove the idea of the fact that that instruction came from a loving God or a loving man or a loving woman. Are you getting this? Let me say for example now. A, a, a woman tells, tells her husband, you see this lady you are speaking to, from what I see, she doesn't mean well for you. Now that's, that instruction came from a loving relationship. So, but I can come and tell you, this woman is trying to control your life. So I've removed, I've removed it from a loving relationship and I've, I've made it this woman. So you no longer see the instruction as a loving nudge to watch your ways. You see it as a woman trying to control your life. Now, the element of this deception is... Can open this window? Me, I'm the elements of this deception is so carefully thought out that you, you may not even observe or notice what is actually going on. The thing just happens like this. Bam, bam. And I tell you, in every bit of information, there are, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are hidden meanings, insinuations, and all that behind it. And the purpose of this was just to create confusion, right? So you see that God brought his teaching the devil brought his own. And the devil's teaching, right, was, it was designed to make the man feel that he had the power to lead himself. But even the devil knew that there was, an, there was a prince, there was a universal principle, although it, it was not written, it was in Romans that Paul now wrote it, that you are a slave to who you would obey. Hmm? So, the devil knows that if this guy follows my teaching, that means that he's obeying me. Now, I'm telling him, you don't have to obey anybody. Be autonomous. But I know the design of man, that man was not designed to lead himself. So that the moment he says no to the leadership of God, he will assume another leadership. Hmm? There's There's a universal principle. One must give way. You cannot serve two masters. He didn't say you will not or you should not. You cannot. 
It is not given in the design of man to serve two things at the same time. Are you following this? So, but if, see, Eve didn't see it in the conversation, but the person deceiving knows. Now, there is something that our uncles used to do when we were younger, when we didn't know anything, right? Now, as, as a child, when your uncle gives you two five naira, no, when the uncle gives you maybe hundred naira, we, we call it one money. They used to do it a lot to us. They will come with four five naira and say, four money, give me one money. No, they used to do it a lot to us. It was when we grew up that we realized that these people deceived us. Now, we didn't know the value of that one money that we had. Right? But because we judged it by quantity, we thought that we cheated them. But in truth, they cheated us. Right? So you see God giving this instruction and the devil comes with his own multiples. Come on. You can do this. You can do this. And because we now look at it and see that the quantity... It's actually good. So the moment, and the Bible says that the woman was convinced. So the woman had faith in the teaching of Satan. This, this, the woman was convinced, is what is called unbelief. Hmm? Agreeing with what God said is what is called belief, faith. Right? So what happened here was what? Unbelief. So by implication, agreeing with Satan's teaching resulted in unbelief. Are you following this? So now, the question I want to ask is, what was the main target of Satan? What was his main target? What was his main target? I know he was targeting the man, but what was his main target? He was targeting the knowledge of God the teaching of God he didn't want want man to subscribe to the knowledge of God he didn't want want man to subscribe to the opinion of God about matters so he was targeting the knowledge of God and he came with his own kind of what his own kind of knowledge so we see that the what what really happened in the fall of man was what was the turning away from the knowledge, the true knowledge of God. So that knowledge of God was represented by what? The tree of life. And that is why Jesus said, how did Jesus say it? And this is life. To what? And this is eternal life. To do what? We are going to read. To know who? To know God. So Jesus came and, and made us understand that what that tree of life stood for Eternal life, so what, what the knowledge of God. So this is eternal life to know God. So the, the, the real target was the knowledge of God. To be led by God. So you see that, see, everything that the devil is doing today and in the next generation is to what to target the knowledge of God. Hmm? Because that is the only way man can have access to the life of God. The knowledge of God is the life of God. And it's only the life of God that can have dominion on the earth. Like I said, the earth was designed to obey those who have the life of God, the, knowledge, the image of God in them. And so he, he has seen that if I get this man to reject the knowledge of God, he will lose dominion over the earth. 
and because he god has given him absolute dominion over the earth and he becomes my slave i become the god of this world so adam was the god of this world who had unconditional dominion over the earth in fact god needed permission from him to function on the earth and the devil saw that and saw that okay look at the elements of this this man has absolute dominion over the earth what what keeps him in dominion is the knowledge of god as long as he keeps that relationship with god he will have dominion and the earth and the animals will not rebel against him but if i can get him to obey me he becomes my slave and invariably i can now have influence over this earth so that was why when man sinned the earth rebelled against man so when god was cursing man god was not cursing man god was simply telling him because you've done this the earth will be hard you will need to toil to produce from it because the earth would have naturally obeyed you if you were in if if your relationship with me was okay but now you've gone away from it the earth has said ah okay you turned against god will turn against you do you understand this good so we see that the target here so what happened here was when a different kind of knowledge came remember how i said what was the process here she began to think about it right and when she deliberated upon it the bible says that she was convinced and because she was convinced her emotions flowed towards it that was why she was able to see look and see that the fruit was what good for food now question was she not always seeing that fruit before the temptation came remember she was always seeing it but because she didn't have that strange knowledge now remember that the first knowledge she had was that this one was not good for food and because that knowledge created that mold whenever she sees that fruit she'll be like not food not good for food but the moment that new knowledge came in a new mold that could recognize that thing as food now came in that was why she now looked at it again and said ah this is good for food and that opening of the eyes was made possible by a new kind of knowledge so knowledge opens your eyes and the opening of that eyes will either lead to life or lead to death <clears throat> and we define death as what separation from what your source and man's source was what god so the moment he disobeyed god he was separated from his source and that which sustained him was no longer there and in dying spiritually spiritual death is being separated from god he was now subject to what physical death mortality so the body could no longer hold him for eternity he now had so in in creating death time became a concept time now had dominion over man because death became a matter of time don't worry you get it right (laughs) so what we see here what the devil was after is what the knowledge of god and the knowledge of god is what eternal life as we see you know in in the statement of jesus that uh, eternal life is to know god right so the moment he got the woman to believe his teaching that was what happened now when she thought about it she agreed to it and she acted upon it 
now. So what do we see? So the question is, who sinned? Okay. The person that makes the decision is the person that receives the judgment. Abi? The person that decides is the person that is judged. Right? So, who, what part of man made that decision? The soul. That is why the Bible says the soul that sins hmm, shall die. So, it is the soul inspired by what? An idea that receives the consequences of that action. And that was why, right? The only... I'm going too far with this. Let me not not go too far. But what I wanted to say was that the only thing that that could atone for the sin of man was another soul. But let me not go there. Because if I start, I will have to explain. Let me not go there. Let's stay at this, right? <clears throat> so now, what now happened to that soul when it disobeyed God? Now, let, let me let me let me put the context to this. Another thing we, we need to understand about God is that God is a king. So let's talk about kings a little bit. If you've watched movies about kings and kingdoms, one of the things you will see, and is an inevitable truth, is that. The king's word is what? Is what? Is law. Hmm? So kings rule by decrees. It's that bad that when a king decrees something, he cannot undecree it. Eh? When a king decrees something, he cannot undecree. If he wants to undecree it, in quotes, he has to issue another decree that will counter that decree that's how kings rule the king's word is so powerful in fact that the king's word the the king's word is the real authority such that once the king utters it even the king is subject to his own word are you following this this is why the bible says in psalm 138 verse 2 that for thou has highly for thou has magnified your word above your name we will talk about that some other time. So, who the person who gave the instruction was the king. He's a father, king. He's a king and he's a father. Right? So, and kings don't give opinions. Kings don't suggest. Kings give commands. Kings give decrees. And once it's decreed, if you disobey that decree, what is it called? Treason. And what is the consequence of treason? Death. So it now makes sense that going... So it's not really... It was not necessarily about the fruit. It was about God's instruction. A king's instruction. Going against the word of a king. That's, what is, that's, that's the real problem here. Because God brought a kingdom into this world. And as a king, he rules by his word. So he gave his word. It was not up for deliberation. And the devil came to tell him, you, you're a king too. 
So why let another king rule you when you can make your own decrees? Take up this thing. And in doing that, he was issuing his own <laughs> decree. And so if he was going to ob- disobey a king's decree and obey another one's decree, that means you have rebelled against this king and you've come under the authority of the word of this one. And the funny thing is that the one that was talking was not a king. The one he was talking to was already a king, in the image of a king. So in usurping the authority of a king, he became the king and Adam became the servant. That was what happened here. So, it was, see, it was so, it was so bad because this was the word of the king and going against the word of the king is treason. So, don't make it really about the fruits. That was why when Paul was talking about it, he was talking about of man's first disobedience. It's about disobedience. And now, why was it called disobedience? Now, if you have a child, like Jesse, for example, here now, right? And you keep a glass plate here. Eh? And Jesse comes and carries it and throws it on the ground. Has Jesse disobeyed you? No. Hmm? But let me say he's of age and he can he knows common has common sense and you tell him Jesse don't touch this leave this play with this and he comes and and throws it on the ground what has he done so without an instruction there can be disobedience so if God had not given an instruction he can't say that man disobeyed but he gave an instruction and man went against it and now why is it called rebellion or disobedience? Remember that the Bible says that Adam was not deceived. That it was Eve that was deceived. And I explained that deception last week. Of how that she took advantage of... He took advantage of where she was fickle in her mind to get her. And then she took advantage of where Adam was fickle to get him. Right? Is it because he was going to take advantage of their vulnerabilities? No. They were created in the image of God, but they, they had vulnerabilities, right? They were still naked and not ashamed and all that. And they were created with strength, strength. Of course, some had, let me not use the word weakness, but this person was strong here and was not strong here. This one was strong here and was not strong here, right? So he took advantage of the places where she was not, where she was not strong and took advantage of her. And that was why I said to you guys, how did I explain it? That the, the, the true people who are mostly sapiosexual are who? Women. Right? How you get a woman is through her imaginations, through her mind. See, because if you are talking to a woman, you have to appeal to her imagination of the future for her to respond to what you're saying. So, okay, we'll talk about this in marriage class. What being a husband really means in terms of cultivation, but that's not what we're here. So now, Adam, so she, the, the devil tricked Eve. And he appealed to her mind. And she acted upon it. And she took the fruit and gave to Adam. Now, Adam was in the right mental state. Adam was in the full knowledge of what he was doing. So, Adam knew that this was disobedience or rebellion. So, it is rebellion because Adam knew the truth. He was in his clear mind. Now, this one has been gaslighted already. 
and she distorted the truth but this one was still in his right mind and he still took it and ate that was an affront to the word of the king so it was rebellion it was disobedience because one he knew it was it was an affront against god's instruction and he did it in the full light of the truth It's not as if they, they drugged him and forced it inside his mouth. He took it. <laughs> I know that this is wrong. But I'm going to do it. So in doing that, what really happened? His soul was lifted up in pride. And in that moment, he said, I could make my own decisions for myself. Hmm? I'm a God. I can choose what is right or what is wrong. I can call the shots. I choose this. Right? So, what happened in his soul when he made that decision was that remember that I said that if you want to picture the spiritual and body, picture the soul holding the body and and holding the spirit. Right? I, I get in this, right? So, the, the spirit, soul, and body, right? So, that means that this one brings instruction. I decide. I agree to what you're... So, if, the more I agree, the more I agree to the spirit's dictates, the more the voice and the authority of the spirit becomes stronger. It's just like if I'm gymming, right? As I'm gymming, Especially if I'm targeting my arms, the more I do it, the more stronger my muscles get. So in obeying the spirit, the more the stronger the, the muscle of the spirit gets. Right? So the more you obey the body, the stronger the muscle of the body gets. So the one you obey more has more influence. So but the moment he disobeyed the spirit, he silenced the voice of the spirit. And the spirit no longer had power. The, the, the spirit no longer had more influence over him than the body had. So the spirit died in the sense that it was no longer responsive to the voice of God. It was no longer responsive. It could still hear the voice of God, but it was not responsive. It could still hear it, but it was not responsive. Right? We'll get into all that later. How that an unbeliever can still have a very strong spirit. But that spirit can still be used for diabolical stuff. I mean, there are unbelievers who have clairvoyance, the ability to see. But it was not, it's not inspired by the Spirit of God. So what actually happened there was that the devil hijacked the faculties of the spirit to rule man. So this spirit was no longer responsive to God. It was not responsive to Satan. See, the spirit was given by God, right? But it was a human spirit. It was not the spirit of God. Right? So, think of it this way. Think of it as the acid in the battery. If you put water, for example, if you put water in that battery and charge it, will it charge? Now, the nature of the acid in the battery makes it possible for it to receive charges from whatever the the, ele- the electricity source 
right so the very nature of that original spirit was responsive to god the moment he did that it changed the nature of his spirit so that the nature of his spirit was no longer responsive to god so even if god charged it with his this thing it won't receive the charge it will just be there it see the, the form of that spirit changed from being responsive to god to being responsive to satan Bedroom flat. No, it's the spirit that has been possessed. So now, your spirit can house another spirit because it's made spirit. It's made in spirit matter, right? It can either house the spirit of God or house an evil spirit, right? And then that spirit can now demonize your soul through its activities. So the more the, the more the spirit gains access to your soul, the more you say yes to that spirit, the more it has access to your soul, and the more it forces itself upon you. Now we will we, we'll now begin to talk about the nature of what and the nature of the devil. The devil is more malevolent; he's more violent. He forces himself on people. God doesn't. God, on the other hand, lets you choose him. But if the devil comes into your life, he will force you, right? He will, as in, not that he will push you to do, but his method is violence to force you do this do it also do, do you know now he won't beat you to do it but he would force you to do it. but god will just speak to you calmly gently to do this but the devil will want to force you right it's not you see even even man hold on even fallen man cannot be forced by the devil per se but it's just that because of the way the soul of man is designed right it is the information that he has most access to that he yields to. So if this is the information you have access to, you make decision based on the information at your disposal. You can't do any otherwise. And the more you do that, the stronger it gets. Do you understand that? Good. Sorry, I was listening to... I was really bothered. I was listening mm-hmm. to their request. Mm-hmm. The demonology guy. Yeah, I am crying. This person what? That, that is a doctrinal issue. It's been a debate over the years. But now, let me tell you this. Only one spirit can occupy your spirit, your human spirit. Only one. And God originally designed the human spirit to be occupied by the spirit of God. And the spirit of God occupying the human spirit is what gives birth to eternal life. It's now what it's, that is what makes you immortal, as it were, right? Once he comes in. Now, if you have the spirit of God, so believers that are supposedly possessed they are not inhabited by evil spirits but now this is how evil spirits can demonize a believer this one is another technical issue it is through the mind it is through the mind it's through thoughts through ideas it's because 
you of course you receive remember i said your five senses is the portal to the outside world right so this is the source of knowledge so man had this to relate with the world but he was supposed to be led by the spirit from his inside but the moment man begins to be led from the outside right those ideas entering into his mind from the outside right can strengthen that idea in his mind and while having the spirit of god he can still make a decision based on that strange idea and still act based on that and the more he acts based on that the more power or the more influence the source of that idea has over him it's not as if there is an evil spirit living inside his spirit a believer cannot be possessed by an evil spirit but his mind can be demonized his mind can be let me see, can be hijacked by ideas so if he has not learned how to follow the leading of the spirit he will follow the leading from the outside right and the attendant consequences that is why as a believer see you, are, you have god but you, 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 you still make certain mistakes because of the one you are following the idea or the knowledge you are following now, when we get into... And I'm trying to lay the foundation because we're going to get into all that technical stuff, right? But a believer cannot be possessed by the devil. But there's something that I call demonic treatments. How demonic treatments happen is, is through thoughts, ideas, images. Are you getting this? You see, you see the way... Um, what, what's that thing called? Is it cookies in adverts? For example, when you... When you... Is it what is it called again? When you click something, you keep seeing things like that. For example, when you view, sometimes you don't need to click, you just view, you just stay more than five seconds on a particular product, you now begin to see that and that's how demonic treatments happen. Right? So they flash you an idea. You entertain it, they flash you another idea. Right? And sometimes you, you may think it's coincidental. Somebody tells you about it. That person was inspired to tell you. Because what what did I say are the source of thoughts? Spirits are spirits. So when spirits vibrate, they release thoughts. And those thoughts are utterances of those spirits. Right? So it releases a thought into your mind, right? And the truth is, the the, the soul realm, the soul realm is exposed to both the spirit and the body realm. Right? So they can whisper an idea to you as a thought. So God speaks to you, the devil also speaks. Your body speaks, and you hear them as thoughts. Are you getting this? So a, a demon spirit can speak to you, you are worthless. Hmm? You are not fine. And the demon spirit will inspire maybe your sibling or your friend to tell you, come on, the only thing you get safe. That's called demonic treatment. They are treating your mind. So that thought is just entering. So maybe you go somewhere else. And maybe you see somebody saying something in that. Now, that thing is properly orchestrated. That's why I said life is spiritual. Some things that happen to you, you think is ordinary. No, it is orchestrated. It is scheduled, right? So, you now hear those thoughts. Those thoughts continue. And then, the moment you now sit down to dwell on it, it amplifies. And because of the principle of the soul, whatever you focus your attention on, amplifies. Becomes stronger, right? And begins to move your will and your emotions and all that, right? So, so they can begin to treat now listen you can begin to treat your mind with those thoughts those words those words and then you can hear 
okay, since I'm not fine now, and then you now begin to look for ways to fill that void. And you, you hear a voice telling you, just go on the net, check for a pornographic thing, just watch. Right? You hear those voices, they come as thoughts, you think it's yours, it's not necessarily yours. Because you, are, because you have the Spirit of God in you, you have a supply of divine thoughts. Right? Now, but now, because, because you've not learned by experience to walk by the Spirit, you are now more subject to that one coming. So in doing that, in nudging you with words, with thoughts, with images, in fact, sometimes they'll suggest movies, music, and all that. And have you ever, have you ever asked yourself why people who are sad listen to sad songs they, they have a pool to listen to sad songs is that the logical thing to do if you are sad shouldn't you listen to a happy song but you now listen to a sad song you feel relieved but no you don't you don't feel relieved it has consolidated its influence so tomorrow again when you are sad you now feel okay i need a sad song to make me happier you listen to a sad song you feel free no they are consolidating their territory in your mind and so, by experience, with time, right, your mind has now been overtaken by that particular mindset. What is a mindset? A mindset is created by your experiences. So, see a mindset as a mold, right? So, the more they keep treating you with those thoughts, words, images, and all that, and people's comments about your life and all that, it, 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 builds, it opens a mold in your, in your mind, and you are, because of that, you are more susceptible to the influence of those demon spirits. So, in creating that mood, they now have that mood. They now move for more, for more, for more space in your mind. They now begin to treat another area. Begin to treat another area. Maybe sickness. You now become sick. They now begin to tell you, ah, you feel sick. You feel sick. And you say, okay, I'm sick. I'm sick. You now begin to accept that thought. And in saying it, and then you now begin to feel somehow in your body, you now keep saying it, it's expanding its territory. So you see that, that mode that it has, it can afflict you based on that territory. So anytime the demonstrate wants you to be depressed, you just say a word or just trigger something, and then you feel depressed. Do you understand? So, so you now begin to see them act a certain way based on that territory that has been covered through thoughts, imagination that has happened over time both words spoken over you both including your parents, friends, people and they, they usually use those people who have influence over you so that the, the cut will be deep those, those are demonic treatments do you understand? now the more they gain control over your mind the more they can do some things to you so the more they gain interest in your mind, they can come to, they can give you a dream. Hmm? In that, in that, see, dreams are not just dreams. In that dream, they give you a thought, and you wake up agreeing to it. The moment you agree to it, you've given them more real estate in your mind, right? So that's see, that's that's how it happens. So what demons attack is your mind. So, the moment they have your mind, it will not be difficult for you to discern the voice of God in your spirit. The more estate they gain, the harder it is for you to hear what God is saying. Now, that intuition is there, but it's, it's, 
the, 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 the volume gets lower and lower and lower. God is still there speaking to you, but because your mind has been taken over by the activity of those devils, it now looks as if you are demonized. And then because your mind is a portal to your life, right? they now begin to bring in certain things into your mind, into your will and into your emotions. Are you getting this? So they can't live in your spirit. If you're a believer and the spirit of God is in you, a devil cannot live inside of you. As a matter of fact, somebody that has been demonized in the sense that their minds have been taken over, by themselves, they can come out of it. That is why the Bible says things like, and the inhabitants of Zion shall not say, I am sick. So, how, how do you do it? It's very simple. Your mouth, right? The, the moment that thought comes, that is why we have this word of God. So, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how I feel. What does the word of God say? I am not sick. And the moment you say with your mouth, it enters back into your mind. That's what's called meditation. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, was telling them, take no thought, saying. So how do you take thoughts in? By saying them. So in saying, you take the thought. So if a thought comes into your mind, you take another thought, saying. Are you getting? And this is what happens in the realm of the spirit, right? Your your, your tongue, spiritually, your, your, your tongue, your utterances, your speech, is the same thing as covering distances. Let me, let me, let me explain it like this. Hmm? If you want to advance, if you want to advance spiritually, your mouth has to do it. So in, as you are speaking, you are making, you are, you are moving. Just hold on. Just like in, in the Old Testament, just like in the Old Testament, God said to them, Wherever the sole of your feet tread upon shall become your possession. So, in the Old Testament, which is a shadow, to possess, you have to tread upon, you have to move across the land. Spiritually, how do you move across a land? You speak. Do you know you can be in your room and you are walking around Ujueleba by speaking over Ujueleba? So, what's happening in the realm of the spirit is that you are walking around the dweller so spiritually when you speak you are covering distances so the more you say i'm sick you are covering miles in sickness so instead of saying what you feel what does the word of god say it's glorious things are spoken of me i am the light of the so you are saying it more light is entering try it one day just take one confession keep saying it in fact one hour keep saying it you see you you see changes that begin to happen and so because the devil knows this, the first thing he targets is your, your words, your mouth. That's why solitude is bad. If See, me, I, I practice solitude a lot. And I'll advise anybody. If you're going to practice solitude, if you're not skilled, you, you need to practice guided solitude. You need to tell someone what you're doing. Because in solitude, that's where they come. Because you don't have other voices encouraging you, like the guardian of the believers. That's what the guardian of the believers is supposed to be. You have voices guarding you so that those thoughts that are coming you 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 know how to differentiate between the devil speaking you speaking god speaking your body speaking your hunger speaking something else speaking because there are so many voices are you getting this right so so a, a christian who is experiencing certain oppressions of the devil can come out of it 
by knowing what has been given by the sacrifice of Jesus and just declaring it continuously non-stop. Are you getting this? See, the devil knew that if I can engage this woman in a conversation and she opens her mouth and starts talking, as she's talking, I'm covering distances in her mind through the one she's saying. If you know this, it's not everybody you talk to. See, Ah God. See, when sorry God do <laughs> if you know this, it's not everybody you keep your ear and listen to. Or you answer. Did, did you notice that when Jesus was going to the cross, he didn't the Bible said he didn't answer anybody. Because if he had opened his mouth, he would have re, he might have reversed what was happening. So Pilate, Pilate came. And said, this guy is innocent. And gave Jesus the opportunity to absolve himself. Jesus puts himself into more trouble so that they can crucify him. Because in speaking, you are covering distances in the spirit. So that's why an intelligent Christian knows how to use their mouth. One of the, see, one of the ways you know that the devil is, is actually battling for your mind is when you have those thoughts... You have this fear that if I speak now, you know, there's this fear we used to have when we were smaller. I might say now, the devil will start attacking me. The devil will give you the impression that if you pray or you say anything, he will come and attack you. And in fact, sometimes when you pray, after praying, it's as if you have some experiences. Hmm? And because of that, you stop praying. There's this thing that used to happen when we were, when I was in secondary school. We used to do midnight prayer every night. Every night. So, and fact first of all our foundation was faulty because the, the only thing we did in midnight prayer was battling demons that time our prayer leader will come See, this is how he used to come and because of it some of us used to hide we used to hide on that bed so you will not find us he will come wake up the demons have gathered <laughs> we need to go and battle you know it was just battle 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 so so every 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 prayer meeting we had was a holy ghost fire. And let me tell you what used to happen then. You know, we would go to the fact that you know Kibbe, Tinkan Island, the most yeah. we used to go to that place to pray. So as we go to that place, you know you'd be feeling some kind of strange presence. So the the prayer leader would be like, spread out, spread out. So that you'd be there, spread out. So as we are praying, we'll be going closer to the circle. So that nothing will touch you. See, we were praying out of fear and the yeah. devil feeds off that kind of prayer. Eh? In fact, there was. In fact, when I say having strange experiences after midnight prayer, I want to come and press you. <laughs> so the next day, you won't want to pray so that you won't go for the devil's trouble. <laughs> in fact, there was this guy. One day we were praying, a bed perched on him. The next day, his face swelled up. Now, those things are made possible because we were in fear. That is why the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of love. See, the moment fears enter, the devil has a strong will. See, sometimes, even verbally, you know, I'll, I'll be in this house and some stupid thoughts will enter my mind. I'll be like, come now, come, show yourself if you have, like, I will answer it physically. I will hear a voice saying, if you sleep now, I say, let him come. I will face him face to face. And you realize that when you are, when you don't have fear, you are in peace. 
I don't want to get into some, some things, but I've drifted. So see, when we get into the authority of the believer, we'll not begin to talk about can a Christian be possessed? So what about Christians that experience some demonic oppressions? No demon is in, in them. But then there are portals that can be opened and one small spiritual monkey will pet on you. It's not in your spirit, but it is in a corner of your life doing some things let me give you an let me give you one of those portals unforgiveness eh? if you live in unforgiveness that monkey like demon will just hang on your lungs like this and be eating it up I'm, no those ones those ones see, because this body is death doomed the devil has access to this body now he can inflict it but by the power of the spirit you can override it so if you now live in unforgiveness they can inflict your body are you getting what I'm saying? So there are certain portals. That's why, see, when Jesus is emphasizing forgiveness, he knows what he's saying. That's one way a believer can be demonized. Now, the devil will not occupy your spirit, but you are giving the, the devil access to your mind. Because if you are living in unforgiveness, you start telling you stories about that person. And as you dwell in that bitterness, a dark cloud comes over your mind, and it will be raining bitter thoughts. Are you following? And the Spirit of God cannot have access to you. And the Spirit of God will be telling you, forgive, forgive. You're like, no! Now, there is this argument online that advanced forgiveness is rubbish. People are attacking forgiveness. Now, they think they are attacking advanced forgiveness. You know, somebody was saying that, what do we mean by advanced forgiveness? So that, so, you mean I should forgive people ahead of time before they sin against me? That that's rubbish. They think it's advanced forgiveness they are attacking, but the true thing they are attacking is forgiveness. So because what they are saying is that, no, that I need to forgive at my pace. I agree. You need to mourn and all that. But the truth is, the Bible says quickly, if you bring a gift before the altar and you remember that your brother, not that you have something, that your brother has something against you, quickly drop that gift, go and reconcile and come and present your gift. So the devil wants to introduce ideas to help us delay forgiveness so that he will treat demonic treatments will happen so even before you forgive you don't know that you've already created giving him sold him four by um one plot of land in your mind and he's petting there and sometimes because he cannot transform himself to an angel of light you think he's god speaking can you take said that there's this spirit that can mimic the voice of the holy spirit yes can mimic it so in it absolute discernment. See, that's why we have the written word to guide us. If God speaks, is he in line with the principles already said in the word of God? And one of the things the devil will make you to do is not to read this word. It's boring. So what am I reading? And with that, you can't discern voices. You can't discern voices. For example, there are certain dreams I will have. I will know that it's one movie playing or just one stupid thought. I will know it can't be God giving me this dream. So if you don't know it, you will fall under a lot of deception. And deception is the devil's trade. Witchcraft. He's the one that invented it now. Right? So when we get into that, we talk, that's why walking in love is, is the true measure of your spirituality. That's why me, if someone does something to me and I find it hard to let go, I go and pray. If I can do a whole night prayer, just releasing blessing. And let me tell you the easiest way to forgive somebody. Just go in prayer. Start blessing them. 
all the good things eh, bless them as in they've, they've hurt you pray for them bless them they will succeed just until you feel that release in your spirit because something some things you can just mentally let go but if it's deep you can do it in prayer keep blessing them anytime you remember them i bless you you will succeed if you will grow great you will have money in this life you will marry well you will do this your children will you pray for them that that, that is a strategy that is, is a spiritual intelligent strategy to stay because you see because of the kind of world we live in there are forces battling against your your growth spiritually so all those forgiveness, envy, gossip, and all that, those begin to come and begin to, as, as you indulge in it, you are selling plots of land in your mind to the devil, and he's building houses there. That's why you see a believer who say, I will never forgive. They've built duplex. There. Now, listen, such people can go for a worship meeting and experience, remember I said that it is your spirit, your fellowship, they can have such good experience with the Holy Ghost in their spirit, but their mind is still taken. How you know? How you know? Hmm? How you know that in spite of all those experiences in church is when you now bring the word of God because the devil hates the word of God. When you tell them, the Bible says we should forgive. For what? Why should I forgive? Do you know what this person did to me? Do you know what I did for this person? No, you can't. You have to give me time to process it. See, the, do you know that you cannot tell? You cannot tell a Muslim, say after me, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He cannot say it because it's only the person with the Spirit of God that can say that. See, if the devil has influence over your mind, you reject the Word of God. You will think you are being woke. He's not you. He's is that civilization that is propelling you? You just see. I'm, I'm telling. I'm not telling you something I've not experienced. Between 2000 and especially in 2019, as in I was angry with God, and uh, the devil used that anger to cover some miles. If I hear God, I get angry. So in most of my con- the truth is, I still love God in my spirit. In my conversation, even if I wanted to talk, talk about God, I wouldn't use the word God. I would look for maybe superior power. I would rather use that and say, and that it was looking, it, it was um, this year, I'll be last year, I look back and say that um, the devil was treating my mind. I was angry with God. So it was late, late last year, I'll be late 2019, that God told me, don't be ashamed of me. Yeah, because I was, I didn't want to talk about him because I was struggling. A lot of things that happened in my life was so bad. I didn't want to hear his name. And it was treatment. Small, small treatment. Can you imagine? He let your father die. Yeah, my father died. As in fact, I, I started mourning my father afresh in 2019. I started mourning him afresh. And he let your father die. Your father was such a good man. He was always praying. See, this God does not protect now. See, why didn't he protect him? These were conversations happening in my mind. And I was letting it because I was grieving. That is why the kingdom of God is what righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, once you are grieving, the devil can take advantage of that and start telling you, look at you. 
your father was a Christian, but he's dead. So why is it that? I said, why is it that all good men die? And that voice started telling me, don't be too good. Add a little bit of bad so that you can live. I'm, no, I'm not joking with you. That's the voice I was saying. Add a little bit of bad. Don't you notice that all these bad men, they are living longer. The good men, the ones that are really good, they're the ones that are dying. Young. Just add a little bit of bad so that you not go. You know, all those good men, if they leave, God will rapture them and take them. So you have to add a little bit of bad so that. And someone will come and be having a conversation with me. They won't know that this is what is going to my mind. I'm sure most of you are surprised. So there is nobody that is not susceptible to that kind of deception. So when you start noticing a persistent voice telling you what God has not said, it is a demon or a devil trying to treat your mind. You know the way you do water treatment? They're trying to treat your mind to get to disagree with the word of God. I had a period of crisis now. Period of crisis. And I told myself, it's like I'll become an atheist. What's all this one? I started entertaining more of those intellectual conversations. But that light in my spirit was still flickering. I know that sometimes that will remind me of the encounters I had with God. You know that God is real. There is no way you don't know. Look at this encounter. Look at this encounter. And it was October 2019 that I just broke down in tears like this. I just stood up. And something said to me, go and listen to me. No, it was around November. And, and, and I see, as, God is, as the devil is treating your mind, God is also treating you. God is also doing his own. That's why the Bible says that the flesh and the spirit are at war. God is also doing his own, and the truth is that God always wins. So, something happened. And now, if it was looking back that I saw how God orchestrated that event, now, in the physical, if you were there when the thing happened, you would have said that something was wrong with me. Now, so I traveled. That was November. So it was October that I, I started getting that experience again and all that. So November, I went for my sister's wedding. You know where? So that night, so we were supposed to, of course, usually when the wedding is over, all of us are supposed to go home. But I had booked my, my distance and I told my mom I needed to come back that November 2019 to Lagos. I needed to do something, right? So, and so I went to her. How did it happen? So I went to her to tell her that, see, I need to. Okay, my friends came from Oweri, so we're in the village. And I needed to go back to the house and go the next morning to Lagos, right? So I needed to tell her so she can give me the house key. Do you understand? So. So I now went to her room to say, Mommy, I'm going now. Let me follow my friends so that I'll just, just give me a house key. I'll drop key with them. She fled up. As she was just saying what she was saying, I just walked out, carried my bag, I joined my friends to go. You understand? She was like, I should wait now. Let all of us go. She just, I know she was busy, you know, my sister's traditional wedding and all that. So I, I stormed out of the house. My aunt was calling me, I can, I can. I'm like, just push it everybody and entered the car and just went home. So that day, I, so instead of sleeping in my house, I slept in my friend's house. Right? So I had my bath early in the morning. And coincidentally, um, some, one of my other friends came and he came with another person. Right? So early hours in the morning, around five, I had baited waiting for six for them to drop me at the park the guy was playing one of selman's messages and i had heard that message one time so 
I took my flash. I, I was like, uh, give me this message. So as he was trying to copy the message, I saw Arum. That was the first time I met Arum. I saw Arum's message. I was like, I've heard this name before. Give it to me too. So he gave me everything. So I came back. Weeks later, my spirit told me, I was going through something. My spirit told me, go and listen to one of Arum's message. And then the title of the message was Sounds from Zion. As I put it, as in something jacked back to life. And that was what that, that was how I just regained my stand again. And I just, I just it was in that light I started realizing that the devil had been treating my mind all these years. All the, see, and then God now started showing me that see, the devil didn't start treating you now. It started from your parents. Now, see, let me tell you. While God is working on you, in fact, let me tell you now. You've already started building your family as you are now. You've already started building the kind of marriage you have, the kind of family you have, the kind of children you raise. Hmm? While God is building in you, the devil is also trying to build his own. God now showed me how that some of the things I was struggling with, see where it started from. And that I had to address those issues. Eh? See, some of the things that you have as habits now that you got from your parents, they got from their grandparents. You might think it's ordinary. Eh? It is either God or the devil that inserted those cultures, those patterns, those ideas in the way because he had seen that out of this line, something good is going to come out. So let me start programming them from four generations before time. So now I can tell you that there are certain things if you don't let God, the devil has already collected one plot and is building in your mind because he knows you're going to teach your children that will teach your children. An idea. And it's an idea. It starts with an idea. That is why personally I'm very ruthless when it comes to ideology. Because I know... See, the devil is more strategic than human beings. The devil plans in generations. So, whatever the devil is trying to do to you, it's not you. He's looking at five generations from you because he had sensed that there's a promise of God in your life and that, may, that your children will benefit from that promise. So he's trying to corrupt it. You see that when God prophesied about the seed of the woman who was going to bruise the head of the serpent, you see, that, you see the devil's work behind the scene to corrupt that lineage. That was why in Matthew chapter 1, God had to declare his lineage. Yeah, God had to declare his lineage to see that see, this one was not tainted by anything. So as at Genesis 6, the whole human race had been tainted because the devil was making sure that, oh, okay, uh, maybe it's Shemu, let's corrupt, let's try to corrupt him. Oh, maybe it's Enoch. Oh, oh, it's not Enoch. Ah, Abraham. Let's attack Abraham, barrenness. Okay, it's Isaac. Ah, is he Esau or Jacob? So that's what he does. So he tries to put, so he didn't know that God himself was coming. Okay, is he David? Let's give him woman problem. Is it Solomon? Queen of Sheba will come and corrupt his wisdom. So, see, see, behind the scene, he does... See, he's busy working to make sure that whatever promise that God has on your life, he finds a way to corrupt it. And how does he corrupt it? Ideas. So now, how is he more powerful? He has institutionalized some of those things. So he has penmen, people who write for him, he has people who produce movies for him. I mean, don't you know? Yes. He has, he has, sorry. 
He has disciples in every sector. He has disciples who will come tomorrow and say, LGBTQ, no inclusiveness. It is his disciples. It starts from an idea. Somebody will have a vision, a dream. That humanity is supposed to be free to do whatever they want to do. And he champions the cause. And because he's the God of this world, he will mobilize resources around that man and give that man so much influence. And you think that because somebody is influential, that means God is behind him. The devil is also behind the influence. Yes. So the world, the way the world thinks is, the more popular a man is, the more right he is. So someone like David Doe, who is popular, for example, if he has baby mama, we can spare him. But if another person has a scandal that is like that, you see the way people attack him. But ah, he's popular, so ah, let's, let's leave him. So that he can maintain his influence. But let one pastor have a scandal. Just that he, he looked at a woman like this. He will blow it out of proportion. He, see, the devil is not foolish. No, he's not foolish. I know he's, he no longer has power, as long as Jesus is concerned. But he's not foolish now. He knows what he's doing. So, you are busy thinking of your marriage. He's thinking about your great-great-grandchildren. He's thinking about them. And he's thinking, what, what in Tochi's life can I... Where can I pitch my tent in Tochi's life? Knowing that your children will, look at, will see what you are doing and copy you. And there are certain things... Now, when I, when I will talk about the new life, I'll talk about how the new life even affects you biologically. I will, I'll talk about that. How the devil can also pass down certain things as DNA... How you pass down certain habits as DNA to your children. Yes. 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 So, don't ever think that you are neutral at any point. You are either here or there. Eh? You are never neutral. Never. Never. See, the way it, it is, it is either God is leading you or the devil is leading you. There is no, you, can't, you can't lead yourself. I'm telling you the truth. It's either God is leading you or the devil is leading you. There is no... There is no... I, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I lead myself. I make my decisions. You do not do nothing. It's either you are inspired by the Spirit of God or the devil is the one inspiring you. Even creativity, even art. I've received poetry from the devil before. And it was so sweet. So nice. Yes. I have. See, even, pro- even prophecies concerning what's going to happen in Nigeria. You think all of them is from God? So what the devil does is he gives you some right ones so that you can trust in that channel. He'll give you some right ones so you can trust in that channel. Once you trust in that channel, he brings a false one. And then people following you are listening and they are, de- they are deceived by that. And then when people accept an idea, they accept the spirit behind the idea. So when they accept the spirit behind the idea, the spirit behind the idea has influence over the territory. Are you getting this? Mm. Oh, I don't want to get this. We are, we are talking about the fall of man. So how the fall of man affected the soul of man is that the soul of man became an enemy of God. 
So the soul of man no longer recognized God as God, no longer worshipped God as God, but the thoughts and the imaginations of man became perverted. Now see the way Jesus said it. In Genesis chapter 6, said, when the human population began to grow rapidly on the earth, the sons of God saw the beautiful men of the human race and took any and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord God said, My spirit will no longer put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, they will live for more than 20 years. Okay, in verse 5, Now the Lord observed the extent of people's wickedness, and he saw that all their thoughts were consistently and totally wicked. So we see that the territory of the devil's dominion is what? The mind of man. Because once he captures the mind, he invariably captures the will, the emotions, and the body. That's why the battlefield is in the mind. So my dears, I've said this in several times. One day God told me. Okay, remember that um, Paul in Corinthians told us how what spiritual battle is. What did he say? For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Blah, 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 blah. So how did he explain the battle? Casting down what imaginations and every high thing that exalts the knowledge and bringing every thought. So what is the battle we are fighting? A battle of what thoughts, ideas, and imaginations. So that means that when I sit and listen. To someone who I don't even know their relationship with God, what am I doing? I'm in a battle right there and there. If I listen to music that does not feed me with the knowledge of God, it is invariably feeding me with knowledge that is not God. What am I doing? I'm in a battle in that moment. So the moment where I'm processing the lyrics of that song, a battle is going on in my mind. It's not there for me to. This one is not in line with God's word. You cast it down. Sometimes you have to do it with your mouth. This thought is not in line with God's word. No, I refuse this. So in every waking moment, you are in a battle. And it's a battle of imagination. And if the devil can successfully get an image into your mind, you will leave the rest. You know the way you schedule, you schedule something. You know dominoes. Once he just gets it in, he leaves you. He goes to, because he's not omnipresent. He will go to that guy in Afghanistan and tell him, after this Taliban thing, we need to push it more. We need to push it more. The, the Taliban needs to. And when that one agrees, he goes somewhere else. So, so you, you are there. So as that thing is cascading down, you think the devil is on your case. He has left you since. He just sends his minions. Just monitor that thing. If he wants to break away, just trigger him more. Remind him or her, that person that offended and let him wallow in unforgiveness. Once you join me, let's finish this one. <laughs> Check, check, check. If you see that there is a light coming out of their lives, because yes, we emit light in the spirit. We emit light in the spirit. There is light coming out there. Gather, gather, gather. Remind them that their classmates does not like them. Let them wallow in bitterness. Wallow. Remind them. In fact, inspire some of the classmates to tell them stupid words. Okay, you are done. The light is dimming. Come, come. Let's go to Iraq. There's a war going on there. We need to inspire the soldiers to fight. Let them kill. More blood is shed. More sea, sea territory. We are taking over. Hmm. We are taking over. World domination. World domination. They will drink wine. Look at that guy. That guy is trying to come out of it. Roll, roll, move, move. Tell his ex-girlfriend to call him. And tell him that 
I'm missing you. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. That's what's happening. Yes. Yes. That's what's happening. So, listen. As a believer, let me, let me graphically put it like this. You walk around with a ball of light. Hmm? The only thing they have access, the only thing they can do is throw thoughts into your mind. Hmm? But now, because you are in the ball of light, the Bible says that. How the Bible says that? That he that is in the light, right? How do you, how do you Bible paraphrase? That any, anybody that is in the light does not stumble. Even if he stumbles, he knows what he stumbles at. But if you are in darkness and you stumble, you don't know what hits you. So you can't address it. So even when you make mistakes in the light, you know what made you stumble and you can address it with the blood. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? So if you're in the light and they throw thoughts to you and you don't address it and it brings forth action, at least you know where you stumble. So if you cannot trace what is the cause of the stumbling, then it's a light issue. And the Bible says that he that walks in the light does not hate his brother. If you hate your brother, you are walking in darkness. So one of the ways that the devil obscures your light, you are in the light though, but how he obscures it, he, he, he puts hatred in your heart or unforgiveness. It then obscures your light. The light begins to flicker. And then he can even introduce me. See, when you read when you read Act of War, apply it to spirit, the spiritual terrain. That's actually what happens. See, the devil knows you. He knows your appetites. He knows your moods. He has studied it. Not because it's in your mind. He can't read your thoughts. I hope you know. The devil cannot read your thoughts. How he knows your thoughts is through your actions. So if he throws the thought into your mind, if you act according to that thought, he will know what you're thinking. He doesn't know your thoughts. And part of the ways he knows what you're thinking is what you say to other people that he's possessing. So the people that are informing him are the people you've told that are not believers. That is why the Bible says, don't forsake the garden of believers. Because in, in the garden of believers, the devil is not hearing what we are saying. You don't know. There is a channel that... Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's better to be a believer in this world. It's better. Better. And so that is why, even when you are praying, it's better to pray in tongues because <laughs> you cannot even decode that one. It's spirit to spirit. Hmm? God overrides your mind and he's making all chances with your mouth for your own life. This God is merciful. All these things is leading to we're going to start talking about the fathers, who the father is. And how that the father is just he's, he's a God of love. And I told you guys one time, you see the way you see cockroach or rat and you, eh? that's the way the devil cringes when you walk in love. Or when you recognize the Father's love for you. When there is love in the atmosphere, the devil cringes. Love will cast out the devil faster than deliverance. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, time has gone. I was talking about <laughs> the fall of man. <laughs> so let me let me round up. I, that question made me go somewhere else. Keep your so now how did the fall of man affect the soul of man we see that the soul of man became subject so flesh is the nature of satan 
in man. Touch you. I'm answering your question. Flesh is the nature of Satan in man. The nature of Satan. Satan's mindset in man. The predisposition to do bad things in man. Mm. That wisdom, that intelligence to do bad things. The intelligence, that's flesh. Right? That is why when a, when a, a baby does something that is bad, the baby knows that this one I'm about to do is bad because you look at you. That intelligence is what is called flesh and is what we inherited from Adam. Mm-hmm. So how did the fall of man affect the soul of man? Man was alienated from God. Man no longer had relationship with God. Man was cut away from God. But the funny thing is, Okay, so let me skip that one. So, now, how did the fall of man affect human relationships? Now, we see that when man fell, when that thing happened, the first thing we saw is that the relationship between the man and the woman fractured. So, the Bible says, you know, before the Bible said that they were naked and not ashamed, now they were naked and ashamed of each other's nakedness. So, the man was covering himself from the woman, and the woman was covering... That, that was actually what happened. Like, ah, <laughs> give me rapa first. What are you looking at? Please take your eyes off. Ah, how can you be looking at me? So you be looking at me, you be looking at me naked like this. You are such a pervert. Why are you looking at me like that? And now you are calling me a pervert. Am I not a husband? Come on for you. The fight started. So this woman to go and hide behind one tree. Now nah, this woman, which kind nagging woman be this one? You get so their relationship was fractured. So let me say this. Every conflict you see today, hmm? <laughs> was produced by the fall of man. Why? Now let me trace, let me help you trace it. I have to round up soon. Let me help you trace this conflict and what it really meant. Now. When man fell, pay attention to this. This will help you. When man fell, now before man fell, Adam and Eve had the same idea of everything. They agreed about everything. As in, they had the same source of knowledge. They had the same understanding of stuff. As in, they didn't need to debate too much about what should be done, how it should be done, the way it should be done. They were imperfect harmony they had the same understanding of everything but the moment the, the, the fall happened adam will say something eve will misunderstand it eve will say something so they didn't have harmony again they didn't have the same ideas they didn't have the same interpretation of the same ideas everything was just jumbled up that is where misunderstanding the concept of misunderstanding entered yeah Okay, so uh, what I explained last time was that now I said two things. It's either Adam didn't teach her well or she misinterpreted it. Right? Or in an in an in an event to teach, she exaggerated the fact. It's either of the three. 
Do you understand? But in, in, in entertaining that idea, that was when now nothing had happened until she had she was convinced. Do you understand? But that thought now the, the argument is this it's either the man didn't teach her well or that she didn't understand, she didn't get it, or she added it by herself. But it favors what what the, the argument favors more that she was just trying to emphasize the fact that we need to stay away from this. So she added it by herself. No, no, don't touch this thing. I'm not even how can I I can't even eat this thing. Not I can't even touch it, not talk of eat it. You know the way we say truth but we exaggerate. And sometimes that, that happens when you're trying to prove a point. So the devil put her in a corner where she had to prove the point to her. So she had to employ every skill to prove the point to you that you are wrong. So sometimes in proving people wrong, you become wrong in yourself. That's why if you follow scripture, scripture will say you don't have to prove any point to anybody. Just keep quiet. You understand? So their understanding, their relationship was fractured. There was no more harmony. There was conflict. Right? And then, because they knew each other's vulnerability, they now started to use it against each other. And that was why when God was talking about in Genesis 3, 16, God said, you will desire to control your husband. That is, you will now want to do emotional manipulation. Hmm? Instead of telling him, instead of telling him, Adam, this thing you are doing, I don't like it. She would rather say, you don't love me anymore. You don't know it's emotional manipulation. See, anything that is not straight is manipulation. That's why the Bible says, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. Anything apart from this is from what? Is from the evil one. Yes. Uh, when we are trying to dodge a question or circumvent someone, oh God, I don't see something. Hmm? Just like the story I told you yesterday. Did you do this? So you don't trust me. So you don't did you do it or not? Yes or no? So you don't Gerald, you don't trust me. You don't trust me. I've said that from when I met you, you never trust me, and that's bad. Trust is very important in relationship, but no, no, no. did you or did you not? I did that. <laughs> did I kill you? You get so that thing comes from that intelligence called flesh which as a believer you still have to put it in check hmm? <laughs> you know how sometimes maybe you have a conversation with somebody and the person is approaching one territory of truth you don't want to tell them you you change the course of the conversation you've not done it before you've not done it before eh? you just change that thing is, is the serpentine nature. <laughs> it's twisted, yes, it's twisted. Uh, it's very easy to spot. I Me, mean, I can I do sometimes, and when people do it, I just laugh. So the woman now resorted to emotional manipulation to get what she wants from the man. The man now resorted to mental oppression and domestic violence. So the Bible says that you will want to control your husband, but he will lord it over you. That's where the feminist movement started. Autonomy. Adam. I know they do again. You cannot call me. You cannot call me woman. I don't want man to be attached to my name. So you have to call me Eve. Call me something else. 
I'm just introducing that one a beggar. But it's not in the Bible. <laughs> so, but the point is that this is where gender battle starts off. So, whenever you see gender battle, whether in marriage or outside it, is a symptom of the fall. Is the fact that somebody is there is not letting the spirit of God lead. Now, I know truth can be painful, but I think it's better to even say the truth. I know that some, because of certain circumstances, maybe your spouse, you are not able to tell them certain truths. And the devil can hinge on that and be building, building um, five bedroom flats. <laughs> so that some demons can come and live there and use it to multiply that life. Since your spouse doesn't know this, add this one to it. You don't really need to know it. It's along the same lines. Keep it, keep it from her, keep it from her. I don't need to tell her. Just, just, she be God has forgiven all our sins. Just keep it, keep it. I don't need to tell anybody. I don't need to. Because those things thrive in darkness. Right? Now, I have a friend. And, and this is, anytime he's having any you know, sexual issues, like, he tells me about it. Or more, this thing is too much. Is it that they blew something in the air and all that? And see, I discovered that anytime we have such conversation, even for me, anytime we have such conversation, the you, you know that okay, somebody is I'm accountable to somebody. You understand? But they'll be like, why do you need to tell? This is not your own. You better leave it. You understand? But let's not get to that. So what happens is the relationship between the man and the woman was fractured. The relationship between God and man was fractured. Now God was not hiding man man was not hiding from God. Now, see the poetry behind this. Now, man was hiding behind. And remember that the Bible says that the trees in the garden were beautiful trees. So man was hiding his sin or his shame behind the beautiful tree. That is see, this is how human beings are. Have you noticed that people always like to hide behind the good things they do? That is what sponsors all those um, um, hero worship and everybody's doing something good. You want everybody to know and all that. So you're hiding behind the beautiful things you do. You will never meet somebody and say, Yeah, how are you? They will never tell you, Oh, Mossy, I did beat woman. No, no, do you? No, follow me. <laughs> no, no, they tell you, I'm, I'm a nice guy. You know, I take care of my women very well. But so we hide behind the good things, our good. So we define ourselves by our good parts. And we leave out the bad part. And so when we do, and so when the person now comes into your life and now see the bad part, you're like, ah, there is now conflict, right? So that 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 concept of hiding came from here. It came from here. Yes, it came from here. So you see the consequences of the fall to the soul of man. The soul of man became darkened. The soul of man no longer suffered the things of God. That is why if you go to someone who is not born again, it's as if it's a fight to talk to them about Christ because, I mean, you that have, have received this truth, you've seen how wonderful it is. This is the solution to our problem, but their, their mind is darkened. They cannot see that light. It only takes, right, the activity of the Spirit and the Word happening at the same time for light to come and all that. When, when it's time to talk about evangelism, we talk about how that works and all that, right? So, But the natural mind does not favor God. Right? And the truth is that they can develop arguments to support their stance. Any argument you want to support anything, you can find it. Hmm? 
if tomorrow you say you know what i identify as the woman i can find arguments to support it and it will be logical be very logical in fact science will support you don't you see that the man has some levels of estrogen and the woman has some level of testosterone it's just a matter of level so if i can increase so there's a woman in every man and there's a man in every woman so it's the one you choose to identify with yes hey you've forgotten that if came from man so it's normal for for, for her to take some testosterone but let's, let's leave it from let's leave, let's, let's leave that one so you will find see any see any lie you want to support you will find but you find find scholarly articles supporting it. If you think it's a lie, go and check it. Hmm? Hmm. If you want to prove the exist the non-existence of hell and heaven, you will find articles to prove it. Anything you want. That is why being smart is not being spiritual. That's why sometimes being spiritual looks foolish to the world. Yes. Intelligence is not a sign of spiritual health. And you, you, you see all these people that have all these intelligent arguments. Is that they, they sound very sound. No, I mean, God gave us a brain to think. So, you know, this is what the Bible says. I know the Bible says this, but, you know, as human beings, we can, you know, do this. And, you know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. If, if you have people arguing, and if you listen to them, you know, they, they sound proper, and, you know, they're like, mm, 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 but mm. at the end of the day, it's foolishness. Do you get? So, uh, in 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 following God, as imperfectly as I am, I've realized that. In fact, I've figured out that my own personal life, my own personal journey with God, has been a journey of giving up my ideas. No, if if you meet people who knew me growing up, you know what I'm. I was, in fact, they, see, 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 see my nicknames when I was small. Above the law. Agua. Do you know what Agua is? Snake. snake. You know what, do you know what it means? Cunning and very intelligent. But my, I, recently I asked my auntie, why, why do you people call me? In fact, she wrote, she wrote um, two full scouts explaining to me the things I used to do when I was, I was very smart. Like, as in, I had my own ideas and opinions. In fact, it was as if I was always challenging my father and my mother all the time. Like, I had the sense of right and wrong. And I was, I was very bent on. But when God started with me, he was stripping me of that thing. And looking back, I saw how foolish I was. Now, some of those things I said in themselves are right. But in see, when God takes you higher and you see things from a, a better overview, you will know that that thing, that territory you are protecting was very tiny compared to the overview of knowledge that you don't have. That knowledge that you are, I was standing on, compared to what God now showed me about life and Him Himself, that, that looked right, but in relation to every other thing, I was wrong. So I can be standing on the fact that why should I forgive someone that offended me 
But when God takes you higher to see to see everything, you now know that that one forgiveness is not worth standing on. Now God, God now shows you what unforgiveness does in the realm of the spirit and how that he opens doors to certain spirits and how that that door open can lead you through a 10 years of dryness in your life and you think he is the devil. It was that door you opened. There are certain doors you open and it will take you five years to realize that you opened the very wrong door in life. So this is what the spirit of God does to us. He takes us higher and helps us see. I had to forgive my dad for dying. Was it his fault that he died? I, I, I was I, I, I was blaming him for dying. And the devil pest on that one and built one, one bedroom flat like that. And was just staying there. So, in your own wisdom, you will find everything to support that stand. But when God takes you higher, you will now see the error of your ways. And the way God corrects is eh, he exposes you to a certain truth. And you know that that stance is really good. So over, over the years, what God has really done to me is strip me of my own ideas, strip me of my own wisdom, strip me of my own creativity, which he gave you. But in, in showing me the truth, I yielded it to him. I was like, finally, at the end of the day, you are all wise. And that aligning to your own word, your own knowledge, is the best thing that can ever happen to me. So a truly wise man defers to God. A foolish man holds on to his own opinions. That's how you know. So, but when your opinions and the opinions of God are one, then you're a wise man. The way you live your life and the way you build your family, the way you run your marriage, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your husband, if the word of God is not your standard, folly is the civilization you are building. Foolishness. That's what it's called. And that foolishness will not be evident to you until time has passed. This is clear, B. Are you are you now are you hungry now? <laughs> there is food here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not food, it's just uh, all those small small things. Anyway, so rounding up. So we see that when man fell, it was impossible for him. To do anything that God wanted him to do. The source of wisdom he had was no longer from God. And so the next one we are going to be talking about, we are now going to talk about how human cultures and human civilizations came out of that fall. Most of the things we consider traditions and cultures today are just symptoms of the fall of man. In Christ, we have a new culture. So I will now show, show you why, if you look at history, you know, some people will study history. I will now show you why God had to call Abraham. When people, when people say, um, and how can you say this is marriage? Look at this history. Look at this, look at this marriage. Look at this people. This is how they practice marriage. Most of those civilizations were built from Cain, who left the presence of God. So, because he left the presence of God, he was, see, the devil was like on his case. So every idea he had to build a culture or a civilization came from Satan himself. Babylon is a product of Satan. So it was as if God was just looking like this. So men were, so a civilization was already growing up to Babel. Hmm? 
and God saw that um, if I don't tell my own story, the world will be replete with cultures that I did not prescribe. Let me call a man out of that and let him build a new nation for me. That was how God called Abraham. So while the world had advanced, God started building his own civilization. And his civilization was in contrast to the civilization of Cain and the rest. So now, if you now depend on history to know what marriage should be, what you'll be seeing is it be, you can trace it back to the line of Cain. But the true history of God, the true story of God can be, can be traced to the, through the line of Abraham. So most, most practices, for example, when you watch Viking, you will see their marriage practices. You see their practices. That thing came from Cain. So there are two civilizations in this world. The civilization of God and the civilization of the devil. And the civilization of the devil advanced faster than that of God. If you will look at it. But when God was calling Abraham, there was already Babylon. Because sources have it that um, Terah was, was, he was, he was one of the officials of Nimrod as a den. He was a high official in, and he was worshipping the moon god. So God called him out of that idolatry to start a new nation. Because if God didn't tell his own story, if God didn't build his own civilization, the world would be replete with histories that God did not write. So most of what we know as dominant culture today came from the line of Cain. Cain that rejected God. So, if you now depend on Google, how do they do it here? To determine how to run your life, you will enter into a civilization that is governed by a strange spirit. Or don't you know that when you adopt principles that is not of the word of God, you are inviting the Lord of that principle to be the Lord of your life. So God had to tell his own story. Because if he had left man, man had taken the power to be his own king and called the shot. So man was doing whatever he deemed fit. And it is in doing what he deemed fit that violence entered into the world. So violence, minds now became right. The stronger man. So when you watch movies about the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, these are men building civilizations. And guess what? They think they are the ones building it, but they are inspired by that old serpent, that dragon, that has deceived all the world because they were under that deception. So don't be in a hurry to copy things you don't know where they came from. Don't be in a hurry. Let me tell you, some, this may sound um, restrictive, but something as flimsy as fashion is inspired. What is fashion? Let me not get into that. We'll talk about fashion. Even the movie industry, too. Yes. Something as flimsy as fashion. The pattern. Now, what was God's, what was God's idea for fashion? for beauty and for glory. So that means that the kind of fashion you're supposed to wear is supposed to re- reflect 
the beauty and the glory of God on your life. That's that's the purpose of fashion. If you see when you see, did, did you see did you see um, when God was instructing Moses about how to knit the cloth of Aaron? Do you see the details? It was for beauty and for glory. Everything had its purpose. And if you think that everything in this life doesn't have its purpose, you don't even know the kind of world you live in. You you program you code. As small as one code is, one one wrong code can spoil everything. Abby. Every code has its purpose, and God is very detailed. You can see it in when He instructed them to build the temple. Everything had its purpose. So, what's going on in your life is, now is that something is building its kingdom in your life. Is it that God or the devil? And how do they build this kingdom? Through ideas, concepts, inspiration. So, and the more I realize this, the more I restrict who I listen to, even preachers I listen to. Yes. Because not all of them there, well, I. Not all, and there are a lot of good ones out there, but it's not all of them there that are sent by God. Some will come with the truth not truthfully stated. Yes, that's what the devil did. Ha! So, until we realize. The helplessness of man in leading his own life won't understand why we so desperately need the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives. Every see, every day in my life, I'm like, God, as in the best thing you can do. I don't care the mistakes you're currently making. Just expose yourself to the light of God, and when His light comes, just follow it. It may be hard, but in, in following the leadership of God, what you are doing is that you are building, you are building a civilization. So there are two: it's either your life, is either you are building Zion in your life, or you are building Babylon in your life. Either of the two: your life, your family, your career, anything you are doing. Man was not created to lead himself. Man was not created to have his own creativity, his own opinion. We are created to look at God and reflect the light that is shining into our souls. And because of the uniqueness of our souls, the reflection of that light will be different from every other person. And in looking at it from an overview, we see the beauty of God's colors through our lives. So when God shines his light through your life, when he shines his light, that is bright white light through your life, the hue that might come out may be blue. You may be red. You may be orange. You may be yellow. And when we now look at all the colors, we see the beauty of His glory. That's why the Bible says that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So in looking at everybody, we see the uniqueness of God reflected in our lives when we submit ourselves to the life. This is clear, right? So there is nothing in man that is pleasant. I'm not a good man because Jesus is a good man. If there's anything you see good in me, it's because God has helped me in that area. Is anybody born to be compassionate? Everybody is born to be selfish. 
But these are things we acquire when the Spirit of God is planted as a seed in our hearts and we begin to give birth those fruits. Nobody is born compassionate. Nobody is born altruistic. Nobody. It is the civilization you submit yourself to that determines what grows out of you. Knowledge grows as trees in your life. There is a tree growing in your life right now. And at the root of it is the knowledge or idea you subscribe to. Yes. And there is no neutral ground. You are either here or there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We ask in the name of Jesus that your word will take root in our hearts. That we become wiser in your word and we favor and subscribe to your your word and your dealings more than ever in the name of Jesus. Amen.